you've got your Bible, open with me, please, to John chapter 14. John chapter 14. We're going to start with verse 15. <clears throat> y'all ready to open the Word of God? I just want y'all to know, if y'all wasn't so daggum crazy in worship, we heated this place up like three degrees from the time we started. Can I take off my coat? Do y'all mind if I do that? That'll help me. Oh, my goodness. Thank you. Whew. Jumping around, dancing and sweating, worshiping Jesus. Praise the Lord. How about our drummer, man? He's crazy good, isn't he? That was weak, Justin. I tried. I tried to get you some attaboys. <laughs> oh, my goodness. This morning, we're going to talk about identifying the voice of God. How many of you would like to get better at identifying the voice of God? If you could say, if I could do anything, I'd really like to get to where I could identify the voice of God. The reason that is, so oftentimes is, we lose confidence in our faith walk based on our ability to confidently believe that we're hearing the voice of God. You know, we want to know, you know, if that, is, that, is that bad pizza? You know, is that, is that my imagination? You know, is it, is it, am I just thinking a thought, or is that the voice of God? Is that God trying to uh, uh, speak to me? And so I want to kind of clear that up today, and I want to do so with talking about the whole idea of Pentecost. Pentecost is probably the most important date in the church besides Christmas and Easter. And I would say for the church, certainly equivalent to Pentecost. The reason, I mean, to uh, uh, Easter and Christmas. And the reason being is it's when the church was really born. You know, we, we talk about Jerusalem and Israel and, and Abraham and the covenant with Abraham, but, but the fulfillment of the covenant. And the fulfillment of the promise actually happened the day of Pentecost. Now, Pentecost means 50, so it happened 50 days after the resurrection. We get the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, as Stephen was talking about just a minute ago, on the whole church. Now, when we read that in Acts, and we read about that, it's, it's found in Acts chapter 2, where you see the outpouring of the Holy Spirit on the church. So oftentimes what we do is we look at that, and, and even there are some theologies who say once that happened, that was the end of the deal. You know, there's no need for those things that the apostles needed. That has never, ever made any sense to me whatsoever when you think about the reason that the Holy Spirit was poured out. The reason that the Holy Spirit was poured out on the day of Pentecost is all about relationship. We're going to see that here in John chapter 14 in just a minute as we read. But everything God does is about drawing you into a closer personal relationship with him so that you can discover who he is and who you were created to be in him and what your purpose was. You know, in the first service, we had a baby dedication where we dedicated babies. And it's a beautiful thing. We prayed. We prayed over these babies, and this is one of the things that I prayed. I prayed, Lord. Thank you for having this little baby on your mind before you created the earth. So we don't, we don't think about the creation, but the scripture teaches us that, God, that we were on God's mind when he created the heavens and the earth. 
We, we were the object of his eye when he created everything we see. And, and he says he did it for our good pleasure and his good pleasure. But, but this little baby was created for purpose, and that purpose was to discover God and help others to discover who God is. What an amazing thought. And so when we think about Pentecost and the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it moves from a place where the Spirit of God used to come on people and, and then he would leave. It says that even about the prophets, even about Saul when he's going after David and going after Samuel, it says that he sent messengers and when the messengers would come into the presence of David and Saul, that the Spirit would come upon them, they'd prophesy, but it wouldn't stay there. It said it happened with the 70 that, that prophesied. It even happened with Saul. The Spirit of the Lord would come upon Saul. You know what was really interesting? The Spirit of the Lord came upon Nebuchadnezzar, who was an unbeliever, and he prophesied one of the greatest things that would prophesy uh, in Scripture. The Spirit of the Lord came upon him, but he was only there for a moment. You and I, since the day of Pentecost, since the birth of the church, have been designed to be containers of the Holy Spirit the third person of the Godhead that has every attribute of the Father that reveals the truth about what Jesus said. And Jesus said, I don't say anything unless the Father has already said it. So Jesus is the Word of God speaking the Word of the Father and the Holy Spirit's job living in us is to reveal to you and me what Jesus said. And so it's all about relationship. What Jesus is going to say here in John chapter 14, when we're filled with the Holy Spirit, when we're the container of the Holy Spirit, that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit make His home in you and me. Now, the truth of the matter is to be possessed by something else is kind of strange. When you start thinking about being possessed by something else, you kind of go, anybody else get the twilight zone when you think about that? Well, for me personally, and I've thought about this because I saw a sign on Highway 218 one day. It says, are you, are, are you possessed by the Holy Spirit? And I went, that's a weird way of putting it, but yeah. 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 And, 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 and for an unbeliever, that would really sound crazy, right? It, it, it sounds like it's nuts. And so, and so when you think about that, and I started thinking about that, and I started thinking to myself, you know, it's kind of weird. If anybody ever watched anybody die? I mean, death is a weird thing. You got this earth suit that houses a spirit and a soul, soul being your mind, will, and emotion, spirit being the thing that's born again that we have, that God breathed in us that makes us different from everything else he ever created. And so you got this living being. It says it became a living being when the breath of God entered it and the spirit of God began to do its work in the, in the believer. And so we are transformed into uh, the image of Christ based on the power and presence of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. I'm trying to get over here because all of you are watching, so I'll just move over here <laughs> like this. <laughs> and so when we look at why God did what he did, he did it so that he could empower you. The word power that is mentioned there when, when Jesus tells the disciples, go wait in Jerusalem until you're endued with power. It's dynamos. It's dynamite. Until you get dynamite, man. 
So you get power. Power to do what? Power to accomplish the thing that you couldn't accomplish on your own. Right? You're going to get endued with power. This power that God has is going to come upon you. It's the Spirit of God that lives within you. Jesus says about you, He who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. How? By the power and the work of the Holy Spirit in your life. And so there's this, there's this power that, that you're given to, to move in Christ Jesus in a relationship. And Jesus says about that empowerment is I'm going to lead you into truth. I'm going to lead you into the ways and the will of God. Now, when Abraham was called a righteous man, he was called a righteous man because all he had to do to be called righteous was agree with God. He just agreed with God. It was counted to him as righteousness because he believed. He, he just began to align himself with the things of God. And so I want you to understand that it is imperative for a person to be able to identify clearly the voice of God in the life. God says about the church, the believers, that we as believers uh, hear his voice and know that it's his voice. And so it's not totally strange, although it's kind of weird, that we can hear voices, the voice of God. How many in here hear voices? <laughs> Hopefully you hear the voice of God. But there are a lot of voices that are coming at us, <laughs> right? There's a lot of attitudes, there are a lot of ways of thinking that are coming at us, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But Jesus says there's a voice that you can listen to that's going to lead you into all truth. So let's read it. John chapter 14, verse 15. If you love me, Jesus says, obey my commandments. Now, if you've got your Bible, underline that. That's a pretty imperative, important thing here, especially in this particular chapter, because Jesus is going to talk, say that three different times. How many of you think when Jesus says that three times in the same chapter, he might want you to get it? Think that's a possibility? In other words, he wants you to believe. He wants you to be righteous. How? To agree with him. He just wants you to agree with him. So he says, I will, if you do this, if you, if you love me and if you obey my commandments, I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. The Holy Spirit will never leave you. He is, he being the third person of the Trinity, is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. Say that with me. All truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you after Pentecost. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you, will return. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you will also live. When I was raised to life again, you will... When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me. Those who agree with me are the ones who love me. And because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them personally 
Judas, not Judas Iscariot, Judas, the brother of Jesus, who was the other disciple, said to him, Lord, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? And Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. And there it is again. My Father will love them, and we will come, we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who does not love me will not obey me. And remember, my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I'm telling you these things now while I'm still with you. But when the Father sends the Advocate, the Holy Spirit is my representative, that is, the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and will remind you of everything I have told you. The Spirit's job. In, in, one, in one translation, it's your advantage that I go away. If I don't go away, I can send the Holy Spirit. And if I go away, I can send the Holy Spirit. So, so it's good for you that I go. He says, I am leaving you with a gift, and that is peace of mind and heart. How do you have peace of mind in the midst of tribulation? You, you have relationship with the Holy Spirit. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I'm going away, but I'll be back again. If you really love me, if you really love me, you would be happy that I'm going to the Father who's greater than I am. And I've told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. I don't have much more time to talk to you because the rule of the world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. Now, on the day of Pentecost, we became Holy Spirit containers. He outpoured on us, and we became a Holy Spirit container that has the ability to understand the will and the ways of God. Now, what happens a lot today with a Holy Spirit container, it's kind of like a fuel container, is that we come on Sunday mornings, <laughs> and we're looking for a show so that we can explode. And there's this great eruption come, but all the fuel that was in the container is gone. And then we go out throughout the rest of the week and have no fuel for the fire to actually accomplish the task that God has. And not, that's not the purpose of the Holy Spirit. The purpose of the Holy Spirit is not to dance and jump around and raise your hands and lose control. The, the dancing around and the, and the, uh, 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 the, the, uh, the, the, total abandonment of, of dignity as David did is so that you surrender and offer yourself a living sacrifice before God so that he can fill you up so you can actually be about the purpose that he called you to. Now listen to me. You're a container like a container that, that holds the gas that turns on your gas grill. The, the, the container for the gas grill is there so that when you turn the button and hit the, hit the little lighter, it actually lights the grill to actually accomplish the purpose of cooking your steak. I'm making you hungry. It's 12.09 and I'm talking about steak. Aren't you glad that the gas, when you light the thing, doesn't just blow up and that's the end of the deal, that it actually accomplishes what it was sent to do? In the Navy, I used to, I used to work on electronics, and we, we had solder, and we had, a, we had a torch that we would heat the solder, and the little drop would drop on the, the place where you designed it, hopefully, 
and the two connections would connect and you would get connection on that electronic device. But without the torch, the container that held the gas, it actually had a purpose. It was a tool that God uses to get this thing accomplished. If it, if it just exploded, it wouldn't be able to accomplish what was done, what was cre- it was created to do, and neither can you. And so you've got to understand that the reason that Pentecost was here is so we'd understand our relationship with God so that we could become the temple of the Holy Spirit, so that we could be containers of, in its fullness of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, that we could emulate its attributes because we could hear the voice of God discern the voice of God and actually act like God would act. We could agree with God. We, we could agree with him. And that's how, that's, that's very, very important. Because in this world, there are all kinds of different voices. And I've talked about this a lot recently, but I, I'm not backing off. There are a lot of different voices that we have opportunity to listen to today. There's the voice of Fox News. There's the voice of CNN. There's the voice of Huffington Post. There's the voice of the New York Times. There's there's all kind of voices. There's the voice of Jehovah's Witness. There's the voice of Mormons. There's all kinds. There's the voice of Buddha. There's all kind of voices. And and they're coming at you. They have ideology and philosophies that come at you. And, 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 and what do they have in common? They, they, have, they have one thing in common, and that's agenda. Different media voices, voices of faith, and then there's voices of unbelief. Brandon just taught just a couple of weeks ago that you have unbelief, just the same pathways you have faith. It's just a different voice. You've got to make sure which Voice you listen to, there's a voice of faith and a voice of unbelief. There are voices of wolves and sheep's clothing. And then there's the voices of prophets. All these are in Scripture, and they're different. There are voices that push pride and self-indulgence. Whatever feels good, do that. And there are voices that encourage humility, to walk in humility and to honor people. Voices that are self-centered and voices that focus on Others just as much as you focus on yourself. Voices who find fault and accuse every chance they get. Just accusational uh, division uh, finding voices. Voices that are trying to, to bring separation. But then there are also voices that promote encouragement and promote unity. You know, you have a chance and an opportunity to listen to all those voices, but the one thing they have in common is their agenda. They are trying to get you to agree with them. All they want is your agreement. And when you agree with them, you align yourself with them, and you begin to respond to them. And what Jesus is saying here, hey, listen, I've given you an advocate. He's called the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is going to live in you. And the Holy Spirit is going to He's going to tell you everything. He's going to remind you of everything I said. Now listen, in the Bible, oftentimes what we do is we, we, we compartmentalize it. We've got different parts. We take the Old Testament and we say, well, that's the Old Testament. 
And then we take the epistles and other parts of the gospels, I mean other parts of the of the New Testament, and say, well, you know, that's the New Testament. And then we put the words of Jesus in red, and somehow the words of Jesus in red have more value than the other words to us because they're in red. But Jesus is the Word. He was the Word. He is the Old Testament. He is the New Testament. And He is the words in red. He's the whole thing. He said, I didn't come to abolish the law. I came to fulfill the law. Everything it says was pointing to me, and I'm doing it. So that you can be empowered by the church on that great day of Pentecost, that the Spirit's going to be poured out. Who's it going to be poured out? Everybody from here on out is what Jesus said. And so I've given you the Holy Spirit so that you can be sure in identifying the voice of God. Because sometimes that can be scary, but we can be confident that it's God's voice. And how we're confident today that we're hearing God's voice, it is because everything that we hear that we think is God's voice, will always, always, always line up with the Word of God. It will never contradict itself. When you say the Bible contradicts itself, you hear that all the time. Well, anybody who has educated themselves in Scripture understands that the Bible doesn't contradict itself. Even with some of the dates that, that are, 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 are uh, kind of given in two different calendars, one the Jewish calendar and one the Greek calendar back in Kings. The Bible doesn't contradict itself. It is the inerrant Word of God. And we can know that we're hearing the voice of God when it lines up with the Word of God. It's so important because the Word of God exhorts, corrects, gives instruction. And what it does is, when it gives those things, when it exhorts, corrects, and gives instruction, what it does is it brings heaven to earth. What God said to Joshua was this, Know my Word... Write it on your heart. Let it be everything that's in your heart. Make sure it's on the forefront of your mind. And we messed that up. Make sure it's right here. Make sure you're always thinking about it so that you can do what it says. And when you do what the Word of God says, you, because you did what the Word of God said, will make your way prosperous. You will prosper in everything you do, if you obey the Word of God. That's why Jesus said, if you love me, you obey my Word. That's where God said to Abraham, he counted to him as right thinking, right way of doing, because he agreed with God. The voices are going to come at you, and every voice that is contrary to the Word of God is trying to get you to agree with it. So how do you fight it? What do you do? Well, let's look at what Paul said to Timothy when he gave him instruction. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 1 through 5. He says, I charge you in the presence of God and of Jesus Christ, who is, the ju who, who is to judge the living and the dead, and by his appearing and his kingdom. That's, pretty, that's a pretty strong charge. That's a, that's a pretty strong foundation to say, hey, look, Paul, listen. That's what he said. That's southern. Listen to this. This is truth. Preach the word. 
Be ready in season and out of season. Reprove, rebuke, and exhort with complete patience and teaching. For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching, but having itching ears, they will accumulate for themselves teachers to suit their own passions. In other words, they'll get people to tell them what they want to believe, what they want to hear, so that they can agree with them. And will turn away from listening to the truth and wander off into myths. As for you always, be sober-minded. That means to, to have sober thoughts, to, to be in touch with reality, endure suffering, and do the work of evangelists, and fulfill your ministry, which is always bringing the hope of the gospel to the people around you. Doing ministry. And so Paul is saying this. And he's saying this to Timothy, but he's also saying it to Eastside Church. This is written for the church today. So how do you keep from being deceived? How do you keep from being deceived? Well, one of the things I want to talk to you about, the biggest thing, this is all an introduction, just to set this up. You can be deceived. You, you, you can agree with something that's not God. So the first thing, let me give you five biblical things that you can see based on, one of them is based on Matthew 7, verse 15 through 20. This is from the Living Bible. Be on your guard against false prophets. They come to you looking like sheep, looking like Christians on the outside, but the inside they're really like wild wolves. You will know them by what they do. And so there's this, these, these false spots, and, and there's this warning, be on guard. And so the first thing you got to do, the first thing you got to do so you know you're not deceived, is to watch out. Watch out. Pay attention. Be sober. Be sober to what? Anything that is contrary to what the Bible teaches. Be careful for anybody that is saying anything, no matter what their leadership level is, no matter how popular they are in a culture, no matter how many times they come on television, no matter how much money they have, no matter how many books they've written, be on guard. Watch out. Beware of false prophets, for some come in sheep's clothing, but inwardly they're, they're wolves. So their behavior makes a difference. Be on your guard. Stand firm in the faith. Be courageous. Be strong, it says in 1 Corinthians 16. And so watch out. The second thing you need to do is to know that the, the, the real. You need to know the real, and you'll know the fake too. Know what it means to be a Christ follower. You can find that. You can find that in, in really Galatians chapter 5, and you can find it with the spiritual gifts that are all listed in, in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, 12 or Ephesians 4 or Romans. But they, you know, they're listed in other three places. But what you see in that is it says in Corinthians, it says this, all these miraculous manifestations of the Spirit of God that come in the life of the believer because you're a God container, all those things, if they're not done in love, then they're again, uh, 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 like a symbol, like the little monkey that goes, you know, if they're not done in love. So how do you know whether they're, they're real or not? It's whether love existed in the administration of the gift. 
You see what I mean? You can see, you can tell by, by what, what is at the root, what is the foundation, who, who is this person who, who is doing all this stuff. So, so we got to know the real and what the real looks like so, so that we can know the fake. Did you know that when people are trained on how to do uh, 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 no, no uh, counterfeit or non-counterfeit, which leads me to the third point, they teach people what the real is. In other words, they blindfold these specialists and they get them to understand what a 20 feels like, what a 100 feels like, what the real deal so that when they hand them a counterfeit bill that they can tell the difference. And so, and so you, you can't tell about false prophets and you can't tell about bad teaching unless you know what the real feels like. And so you've got to understand what, what, what the real feels like. You've got to know God's Word, and when you know when it's being twisted and manipulated because you know the nature and the character and the attitude in which Scripture was written. You know, I tell my staff all the time, all the time, when you read Scripture, you better play, pay close attention to the attitude in which it was written. Because oftentimes we want to apologize for God's attitude toward people. How many of you know, how many of you know that God loves you incredibly? He says that he loves you so much that he gave his all for you. He, he died. He, he gave his life. There's no greater love than this, that a man laid down his life for his friend. There's no greater love. He, he loves. How many of you know that when you love your kids, you don't let them do everything they want you to, and they want to? You, you, you do something about it. You, you, you don't let them be self-destructive. You know, and we want to apologize for, for the attitude of God when we, when we refuse to be obedient to his word and his way. Because he allowed, you know, and we get this whole, whole wrong deal. And so what we've got to understand is that we've got to Know the Word of God so that we'll know when it's being twisted and manipulated. Psalm 119 says, Lord, I have hidden your Word in my heart that I might not sin against thee. David says, he cries to the Lord, and he, he you know, he, I love, how, how many, how many love David? David's one of my favorite. You know why? He messed up all the time. Makes me feel at home. He messed up all the time, right? But he was quick to say, dang, go on it, I messed that up. And the Lord says about him that that made him a man after his own heart because he was quick to repent, quick to get back to a sober-mindedness. And so he says about the Lord, Lord, I've written your word on my heart so that I might not sin against thee. Now listen. Here comes the problem. Here's how you can be sure that you're identifying the voice of God. And there is no shortcut. And I really, really, really want to get on this. And I'm going to get on a little soapbox real quick. I get little text things that give me scripture on my phone. Ding. Y'all do that? Ding. Scripture of the day. Bow. If that's all the word you're getting, at least you're getting a little bit. And the Holy Spirit has something. But if every decision, 
if every thought, if every voice that's coming at you only got one ding a day, That was, a, you know, that was one philosophy. Ding! I mean, how many philosophies and ways of thinking are bombarding you every day? And you get one ding. And you call that, well, I'll get fifty. When your life depends on it. Jesus says, this is the way, the truth, and the life. You can't accomplish victory without this. You wonder why your life is messed up. It's because you have bought into vain philosophies, vain ways of thinking. And you've got to devote yourself to hearing Jesus so that when you face a circumstance, when you face a decision, when you need creative ideas, whatever your life is calling for based on the tribulation you might be in, the Holy Spirit then has the ability to grab what you read four months ago, pull it into the circumstance, and give you life. But if you don't put it in, you see, Jesus said, He's going to teach you, he's going to bring, this is what Jesus said, excuse me, let me get it right. He's going to bring to remembrance everything I said. That's the Spirit's job. The Spirit is not going to give you new information. The Spirit's job is to give you the way, the truth, and the life. Now that might be creative, but it'll still be the Word of God. And so we got to know, we've got to know the Word of God so that we know when it's being twisted. Satan, in Scripture, always disguises himself as light. So if we don't know his truth, God's truth, we'll never know when we're being deceived. Amen? So then we have to then trust the discernment and wisdom of God's Spirit to our lives. We have to learn and begin to trust God with His Word and just act in faith. You have to begin to move out. John says it this way in John 16, 13, When the Spirit of truth comes, He will guide you into all truth. You've got to believe that and begin to order your life by it. So uh, lastly... You need to surround yourself with other believers who know and trust God. That's why it's so important to be involved with a family of believers in this church or in a church. People you know that you can count on to trust God. Now, I just want to tell you a little bit about Eastside. We put people in leadership when we believe that they are people who are willing to be transformed into the image of God. That's the biggest qualification. The biggest qualification is we've seen them be corrected by God and them receive correction and actually bring change. That's the qualification for leadership. 
It's, it's not how long you've known the Lord. It's how receptive you are to his leadership. Right? So that we can put people up here and say, follow them as they follow Christ. They're not perfect people. They had never always done things right. And they're not going to do everything right in the future. But this I can guarantee you, they are subject to the Spirit of God and to correction. And they are being transformed. They are continually being transformed into the image of God. Right? And so we got small group leaders that we'll put in small groups in the fall, which you need to be involved in. We're going to bust out about 15 different small groups that you guys got to get involved in so for relationship purposes. But we're not going to put somebody as a small group leader just to fill a slot. The people that are going to lead our small groups are going to be people we know are sensitive to the voice of God that want to be transformed into His image. And we've seen evidence of that throughout the years. And they're not hurting people that are ministering out of their pain. They won't be small group leaders. If they've been delivered from their pain and they have a testimony of deliverance, then we'll say, these people, this is where I came from. This is how God helped me. He can help you the same way. It's got a testimony. So, so here's what we find in churches, folks. I'm just going to tell you the way it is. might not be pretty. It's just truth. I used this scenario in the first service. I'll do it again in the second service. We, 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 find, we get in churches, and we find people that have common ground maybe even. And somehow we befriend them, maybe we sat beside them, maybe they talk to us, maybe we pray with them or whatever. And it can be good intent or it can, you know, they can be out for all kinds of things. You, you know, you don't want to be suspect. You don't want don't to look at people and go, I wonder about them. I'm not so sure about them. Listen, you can, you can receive a prophetic word from somebody you don't know and receive it when it lines up with Scripture. This, you don't have to fear. That lines up with the word. I'm good. Do you think that God wants his word to apply to your life? You can be pretty safe there, right? So you don't have to worry about that. But here's what happens. You find something in common. You got, well, I like the, I like the mountain bike. You like the mountain bike? Yeah, I like the mountain bike. Well, let's go mountain biking. Cool, let's go mountain biking. All right, and then the next thing you know, there's a major decision or some kind of tribulation that comes, and somebody gets counsel from the mountain biker. And, and then the pastor and the staff and the people that are in charge of the church find out that you're making some kind of decision based on what the mountain biker said. And we're going, why in the heck are you making the decision based on what the mountain biker said? Because the mountain biker said about themselves that they were, you know, they were spiritual people. And, they, and so we just believe that they, da 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 And so we just made a decision on that. And shoot, we went on out and did our deal. And we're going, that doesn't line up with the word of God. The attitude and the posture and the things that you're making decisions on aren't lining up with the Lord. Do you know that we have Dr. Joe and Heidi? Do you know we have, we have Mama Dry and Daddy Dry who've been walking with the Lord for 60 years or more? More? Do you know we've got them in place? Do you know, do you know that if you'll ask them, they'll give you the Word of God, they won't give you an opinion? We, we've got them in place. We've got the Sullivans in place. Do you want to hear the word? This man is eat up with the word. That's all you're going to get. 
Why are you asking the mountain biker? Right? Because you want the mountain biker to validate your way of thinking so that you can do what you want to do instead of subjecting yourself to godly counsel and actually do what the Word of God said. It's important if we really want to be in line with the ways of God to surround yourself with godly people. And we've got those in place. And that, that group is growing. I see Francis in the back. That group is growing like crazy around here. And we've got great people to give you good counsel. It's important that you listen to the right voice because they're trying to get you to agree with them. And all we need to do is agree with the Word of God and do that. Yes? So you can be confident in identifying the voice of God. Be confident in His Word. Trust that it's going to do what He says it's going to do, and it's going to do it quickly. Amen? Let's stand to close in prayer. Our prayer team is going to be up front. We're doing baptism first Wednesday of the month. If you need to be baptized, you'd like to rededicate your life, you've never been baptized, you know, maybe you were baptized as a kid, but you really didn't follow Jesus through college. Oh, hallelujah. I'm probably the only one that that makes sense to. But you need to be baptized since you've received Christ and really made a decision to follow him. Uh, talk with Cheryl after service or go to the information and get your name down. Let's get baptized next week. By the way, if you haven't put first Wednesday night in your calendar, please come. We want this place to explode. We want to be filled to overflowing so we can do exactly what God created us to do. And we're believing for signs, wonders, and miracles to see what's going to happen on first Wednesday. We need you to come. We need you to, to be here so that we can be united and believe in God. Amen? Amen? Father, in the name of Jesus, we're here today because we're containers and temples of the Holy Spirit. We know that the outpouring at Pentecost was promised to the generations to come, and we're it. And you tell us, you give us instructions, Lord, that we should go preach the Word. We should live the Word, and how we preach it is by what we do. That we are the light of the world that we have the answers and the creative solutions for those in tribulation and, and that don't have any hope. For those who need peace and don't have any other source of peace, we are their source of pointing them toward you so that you can bring peace when it doesn't make any sense. Father, help us be a church that represents you well. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name. Everybody said amen. 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 If you need prayer.